Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Winning Cures Everything. Now for your hosts, Gary and Chris. Welcome in Winning Cures Everything. It is, my friends, the Friday, December 3rd edition of the show. I'm Gary. And I'm Chris. And, of course, uh, Chris on the phone, for those of you that uh, that are just watching us for the first time uh, during the week, Chris uh, Chris dials in from the telephone, old school style. But uh, but we are ready to rock and roll with some college football championship preview talk and, uh, and the news of the week that is going on with all these different job openings being filled, etc. Lots to discuss. Let me go ahead and tell you, head over to winningcureseverything.com. That is your one-stop shop for everything you need to know about us. All the different podcasts, all the different shows that we do, etc., can be found over there. So go there and then make sure that you are subscribed to the Winning Cures Everything podcast if you are not already. If you're watching the show on Twitter or YouTube or whatever, you can subscribe on those. Uh, but you can also subscribe to the podcast. And that would certainly help us out. You can leave a nice five-star review over there. If you are watching on YouTube... Jump into the chat. We would love to see your opinions on everything that's going on. Uh, a lot of you guys jump in here all the time anyway, but we we definitely appreciate it. Uh, along with that, the show is brought to you by BetUS. It is America's premier online sports book. Go and check them out, BetUS.com. It is where the game begins. And, uh, and I do a college football show for BetUS. Uh, that's every Wednesday and Thursday. I don't know what the schedule will be going into bowl season. But from what I have been told thus far, now it is a subject to change. Still going to be Wednesdays and Thursdays, uh, I believe. And along with that, Chris does the college football show for Bookmaker Review. Uh, you can find the link to both of those in the description below. Now, uh, now that we've got all that out of the way, Chris, uh, <laughs> we got uh, we got some news on Wednesday evening. Of course, Brian Kelly left Notre Dame to head to uh, LSU on Monday night, I believe. Now, Notre Dame has acted very quickly. It appears that they are set with Marcus Freeman, the defensive coordinator that just came over from Cincinnati last year, 35 years old, and it appears he is going to be the next Notre Dame Fighting Irish head football coach. Uh, this was kind of shocking to me. What did you take from all this? Uh, yeah, I mean, I I think it's a great hire. I do think it's a... Um, a little bit of a knee-jerk reaction, um, but I don't hate it. I don't know that they could have went out into the ethos 
of college football, they would have gotten people with much better resumes, obviously, much proven records better than Ted Freeman being this first head coaching job ever. But I don't know that they're getting a better coach. And I don't know I know they're not getting a better recruiter. And and I I think this is a, a pretty I think they're gonna end up liking this situation. Okay. I, I don't know that it's gonna be exactly Lincoln Riley uh, after Bob Stoops or uh, Ryan Day after uh, after Urban Meyer, but I can see it being very similar to that situation where we have a coach that established a program, that established a way of doing things, and was building something pretty special. And he left for whatever reason. And basically, the the, the young coordinators underneath him are just going to continue to do what they were doing. Yes, yes. Tommy Reese is staying. He's the offensive coordinator. Uh, the offensive line and defensive line coaches uh, have also committed to staying at Notre Dame. Uh, I just, I, I thought that typically what Notre Dame does in these situations, uh, it, well, and of course they haven't had to do it in, what, 12 years, I believe it is. They seem like the kind of football program that takes a step back and doesn't overreact to a coach leaving. Of course, they haven't had a coach leave for another job since, what, 1907, I believe it was. Uh, you you take a step back, and you don't do anything uh, based on emotion, right? You take a look at all the different factors, all the different guys that are out there, and you don't make a rash decision just based on early signing day, etc. Uh, I don't know that they made this based on early signing day. I do wonder if part of this is they talk to the guys that are already there uh, the coordinators and uh, the position coaches, and they all wanted to stick around and, and keep doing what they're doing, and they just went with the guy that has the uh, the highest upside that's a little bit older. Tommy Reese is still in his 20s. Uh, so Marcus Freeman being 35 years old and, and having experience at different places because Tommy Reese came in as a grad assistant, I believe, at Notre Dame. He played at Notre Dame. Uh, he's just been there. I I wonder if maybe this was very quickly okay, Brian Kelly bailed on us, but we're going to keep this thing going. And Jack Swarbrick and everybody at Notre Dame decided, you know what, this is the best, uh, best path for us. Um, obviously, I doubt you're going to have to pay, you know, hand over fist to to be able to retain Marcus Freeman and those guys. But, you know, they're still going to get a nice little pay bump. And I, it just surprised me that they didn't, they didn't do their uh, due diligence, right? Uh, but maybe they have. Maybe they've known this was the guy for a long time, right? Well, I mean, I'll tell you this. They've got a top five recruiting class projected for this year, and and those guys aren't jumping ship, it doesn't seem. And it seems as if those guys were being recruited by Reese and, 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 and Freeman anyway. So, you know, if you keep that recruiting class together, what what would you want? What could you need? And you're right. they're not. Surely these guys aren't going to be making – absorbing amounts of money composed to what if you put a full surf burn together and and you did a national search and you you went out to try to get you know a top tier guy you know worst case scenario if this doesn't work out in two or three years you you got out pretty cheap they're not going to be awful i think these guys are going to be pretty good you know and, and then you and then you could move on if you're not happy with the results yeah, yeah, that's that's kind of the way that I see this. It is, uh, it's let's take a chance on a young guy and keep this staff intact that we already know can be successful, and continue what we're doing. 
because we we like the trajectory that we're on right now. So very uh very surprising, but also I, I don't know that it was necessarily a bad move. Time will obviously tell with uh with young coaches like Marcus Freeman, but he is incredibly well regarded. I will certainly say that. Next on the docket here. Colorado State has announced that they have fired Steve Adazio after just two years. His buyout dropped today, um, or sorry, on uh, Thursday, December 2nd. And as soon as the contract stipulated that the buyout dropped to $3 million, they went ahead and pulled the plug. Uh, everybody kind of saw this coming. Really, honestly, in his first season, things just did not go well. He was not a very good fit. And you can get away with not being a good fit at a program if you are an exceptional head coach. But he did not get along even with his own staff. He didn't get along with the administration there. Uh, This was a weird situation anyway. And now it appears, of course, Urban Meyer was involved in the last coaching search. Uh, Urban Meyer will not be involved in this one. Obviously, he is an NFL head coach now. He's not just being consultant uh, everywhere across the board. But... um, but yeah, they've announced that they're uh, they're hiring a national search firm. There will be a national search, etc. Uh, this is not a bad job in in the G five if they get the right guy, right? They've got the investment from the community. They've got boosters. They have an incredible stadium. They have facilities. They've got everything that you could possibly need to be successful in the Mountain West Conference. I, I would imagine they are going to take their time and make sure that they get this one correct. Uh, what are your feelings on Adazio being out in Fort Collins? No, I mean I think it's justified. I don't I don't know I don't know how to say it other than that. I think you know it was it was not working, and and Steve needs to go. Yes, yes. Uh, we we saw uh, towards the end of the season him getting booted out of uh, out of a ball game in the first half for two unsportsmanlike conduct penalties, and I mean you just don't see that kind of stuff from a head coach. But things were unraveling quickly. Uh, we in the past we've been somewhat against pulling the trigger quickly on on people, or at least I have. Um, but it, we're getting to a point now where you can tell early if it ain't going in the right direction, you better just cut bait. Uh, what, what you're saying all the time: uh, if you know you got a losing hand, just fold it, right? Like, yeah. As soon as you as soon as you know you have a losing hand, fold it. Yeah. I don't care what it costs you; just fold it and then start over. Like and that's that's exactly yeah. what they're going to do. Uh, I don't have any names for them as of right now. There's a lot of different coordinators, a lot of different uh, lower level coaches that would fit really, really well here. And I think the name that ends up being the head guy could actually surprise people if they if they go the right route because I think a lot of people are interested in this job because of the investment uh, that goes into it. Right. So we'll uh, we'll see what happens there. The there are still multiple, multiple jobs open. The biggest college football job that is still open, of course, is Oklahoma. Outside of that, Louisiana Tech, uh, there's been rumors that they are going to hire Sonny Cumbie. Uh, nothing official on that. Fresno State, of course, the rumors are that they are going to bring back Jeff Tedford. But outside of that, uh, the only P5 job that is open is Duke. Um, along with them, we've got Akron. Uh, like I just said, Colorado State, FIU, Louisiana, Temple, and Troy. And these are all jobs outside of maybe Akron and FIU, which Akron, uh, Joe Moorhead, is being talked about quite a bit. There, there's a lot of links 
uh, from Joel Moorhead to Akron, which is surprising to me. Would you be surprised if Moorhead takes the Akron job? Uh, maybe not. Uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know what the – I feel like he could get something better because what he's done with that offense uh, is, is fairly impressive. Like, Moorhead did not work at Mississippi State. I don't know that that necessarily means that he is a bad coach. Uh, I think that what he, what he might want, because obviously he's been incredibly successful uh, as an offensive coordinator, both at Penn State and now at Oregon, I think that he may just like the, uh, the smaller jobs. He may just want to coach ball. And there ain't nothing wrong with that, right? No, I agree. And so that's uh, that's a, a weird one. Louisiana, I think, could get a good one because the foundation has been set by Billy Napier. Uh, Temple, of course, fired Rod Carey. Talked about that on Monday. Um, Troy, you know, fired Chip Lindsey. Um, you know, Troy, you can win there. We know that you can win there because they do invest in their program. So at FIU, um, Butch uh, Davis just took a flamethrower to FIU on the way out the door. I don't know that anybody will want to come work there, or at least not anybody of substance, but they will likely take a shot on a younger candidate. Uh, all the Oklahoma stuff, there's just there's no <laughs> there's nothing on Oklahoma. They're keeping that thing tight-lipped. I've not been able to get any kind of intel on that. Um, are you hearing anything else, not just on Oklahoma, but anywhere else? No. I mean, you know, I, 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 don't, I don't really... I'm not. I'm not plugged in anywhere where where I would have any information from anything from the smaller schools. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's going to be weird. But I do think that uh, some of the names that come up for Colorado State, Louisiana, um, and even Temple and Troy uh, might be kind of surprising. Uh, Dan Lanning from Georgia. I would not be surprised if he were to find his way to one of these. But uh, but we shall see. We shall see. Uh, the number four topic that I got written down here: Adrian Martinez is transferring from Nebraska. I can't say that we didn't see this coming, right? It, this is, the offense obviously was not working with him, but he might have been a, a big reason why they were in as many close games as they were. He's incredibly explosive. Uh, Parker actually talked earlier, hey, you give me the Colorado State job and I'll get Adrian Martinez to transfer over and, uh, and we'll win the Mountain West in the first year. Like, I, I do think Adrian Martinez is talented. I don't know where he can go right now that he could play immediately and and be properly developed. Like, get some of those yips out of the way, the, the bad decision-making. I don't know where he can go, uh, well, him and Spencer Rattler both go, to be able to do that. You uh, you got any thoughts on, on Martinez here? Yeah, I have no idea where he's going to end up landing. Uh, I do think a smaller school would be beneficial to him. I, I couldn't imagine him trying to go to a, a larger school. Yeah, it's it, same here because he just was not able to get it done against some of those better defenses in the Big Ten uh, while he was at Nebraska. So that's, uh, that's going to be a strange one to watch going forward because I think he could have a lot of success at a, a smaller school, whether it's Mountain West, et cetera. Um, We'll have to we'll have to pay attention, but I have no idea what direction he'll end up wanting to go. Number five here. Uh, this is our last show before Sunday, before Selection Sunday. Chris, I want you to tell me who is going to be your top four on Sunday when they announce it at uh, about eleven a.m. Central Time. Oh, <laughs> I'm just going to go real quick. I'm going to say Georgia. 
Michigan, Cincinnati, Oklahoma State. That's exactly who I've got written down. I've got Is Cincy. it really? Yes, I've got Cincy in the four spot. I've got Oklahoma State in the three spot because I think Oklahoma State will jump them um, because it doesn't matter how bad you beat Houston, uh, a win over Baylor is going to look better, at least to the committee, in my opinion. So you'll get a Michigan-Oklahoma State matchup. You'll get a Georgia-Cincy rematch from last year's Peach Bowl. Uh, that's the way that I, I view this thing going down this weekend. I so let me ask you a question. Go ahead. Baylor beats uh, Oklahoma State, but all the rest of those things go the way we think they'll go. Who, who gets the four spot? Uh, I think Notre Dame gets the four spot. You do? Yeah. You Do you think that the committee will punish them for not having their head coach? No. I think part of the reason why Notre Dame hired uh, or is hiring Marcus Freeman is because they want, you know, they want all the hoopla that goes into it if they were to get in. I only think it's that one thing that has to go wrong in order to get Notre Dame in there, right? I, yeah. I mean, that's you, you need Alabama to get whipped and then everybody else, everything else holds I don't think firm. Alabama needs to get whipped. I think Alabama just needs to lose. I, I agree with you. Uh, I, I tend to believe it will be a whipping. But uh, but either way, I, I do believe that Notre Dame is not going to be, uh, it, it's not going to be held against them that Brian Kelly is not there. I think there's a yeah. lot to like about the program right now. And if you're keeping the entire coaching staff intact, I... I mean, I, I agree with all those things. But you know how I feel about the sons of bitches that run this sport. <laughs> you're you're not wrong. You are not wrong. Uh, if Baylor beats Oklahoma State, certainly uh, that would be. I, I think Notre because Dame that's get the in one, that's the one upset that I actually think might happen. That's the one upset that I would bet on happen. I I said on so I took Oklahoma State minus five and a half on the Bet US show. Um, I just don't know how they do it with a starting quarterback for Baylor that has had hamstring injuries and was actually out last week, right? Like, this is... I, I just don't see it happening against that Jim Knowles defense, but... Figure that stuff out. Yeah, crazy crazy stuff happens. So, we uh, we will see about that. Uh, do you have any bowl matchups that you would like to see? Uh, No, not that I can think of. I mean, I really, you know... I've got three I, of them. I, that I'm that I'm if hoping Notre for. Notre Dame doesn't get in this thing. I want Notre Dame to go to a really good bowl. I want them to face a good opponent. I think these players are going to be fired up. Like, hey. like I'm not kidding. I kind of think if Notre Dame doesn't get in, I'd like to see Notre Dame and Alabama play. Oh, absolutely. and I know nobody else in the country wants to. I think I would take Notre Dame in that game right now to win straight up. Oh, uh, yes, yes, I agree with you. Uh, I and so I've got written down the games that I would like to see. Uh, I would love to see Ohio State against Utah because I want to see like I think that Utah can beat Oregon on uh, on Friday night. I want to see how manned up Utah's offensive and defensive lines have gotten because they have been whipping people on the line of scrimmage. I want to see what Ohio State does to bounce back from the Michigan game, right? So I think that that would be a fascinating matchup stylistically. Uh, and then on top of that, I would love to see Notre Dame go up against Ole Miss in a bowl game. I want to see what Marcus Freeman's defense does against Lane Kiffin's I, offense. The reason I the reason I want I want the Alabama matchup is because Alabama's been a team that has beaten the hell out of them, and everyone has said unanimously they can't beat teams like Bama. And I think this Bama team is super flawed, way overrated, and I think this Notre Dame team is going to come out on fire 
And I do think that they would change the perspective of the school going into 2022 if they did that. I think so as well. I don't know that a win over Ole Miss does that, right? That's that's right. Nobody thinks that, by the way. Nobody universally nationwide outside of the SEC would, would value that win the way they would against the brand. Yes. Uh, and then the third one that I had down, uh, Wake Forest against Michigan State. I want to see Kenneth Walker the third, and I want to see uh, Sam Hartman and that bunch against that Michigan State defense. I, I think we could see a ton of points in a ball game like that. And I think it'd be a lot of fun to see Kenneth Walker go against the school that uh, that he left to go over to Michigan State for. Uh, I'm okay with that. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't hate it, but you're talking about a running back. going. And while I know that that running back is the offense, Michigan State is so much more than just one guy, one scheme, one, one like, way of doing things. So, oh, absolutely. You know, absolutely. And it's not like he left because he hated them or whatever. This is a styles situation. Yes. It just wasn't a good fit. Like, they run a, a, a delayed run scheme, and he wanted to run a pro-style offense, and it works out for him. But I don't know if there's, like, vitriol or anger. No, 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 no. I don't think there's anger at all. I just think it would be in a, a really, really fun matchup. Like, incredibly I can think of a hundred different things that I'd rather see than that. <laughs> all right, tell me this. What are the three best conference championship games that you think we will see this weekend? I think Houston-Cincinnati is going to be more fun than people think. I think the Baylor-Oklahoma State game is going to be crazy tight, possibly back and forth with an upset. Um, you're making me give you three. Uh, oh, I'd give you the Mountain West. That's uh, So I've got that one written down. So I wrote down Alabama-Georgia uh, just because I want to see There's Kirby no way go- that's going to be fun at all. It's not going to be fun at all. I think it's, I think it's going to be – Maybe it won't be fun. It's going to be the Iron Bowl, Gary. But the difference <laughs> is, is Georgia's going to be a lot better than Auburn. I've got the Mountain West. I think it's going to be incredibly low scoring and really boring. Yeah, yeah, you're probably not wrong about that. Uh, I do have the Mountain West Championship as number two. Uh, and then I put the ACC title game because I think Pitt and Wake Forest are just going to put oh. touchdowns up like crazy. Well, no, that that you're absolutely right. I forgot about that one. That That's... I would take Cincinnati out of there. I, I think the Mountain West, I think the Baylor-Oklahoma um, uh, uh, State game, and absolutely the the ACC matchup. Yeah, that's that, they're gonna game score in Charlotte. 100. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be bananas. Oh, it's going to be nuts. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, let's go through, and we'll go through a uh, conference title game one by one. Let's see. Let me write my time down, make sure we're good on this. All right, so conference title game previews. Now, obviously, Chris and I both cover college football for other entities, but we also like to discuss it on this show. So we're going to go at it a little bit differently this go-round. On today's show, we are going to talk about the team totals. Uh, basically, talk about the matchups and then tell you which team total we like, and we'll keep that on our official sheet that's over at winningcureseverything.com slash picks. So, Chris, I want to start us off with the Conference USA uh, title game here. And the Conference USA title game, Western Kentucky at UTSA. They're going to be playing in the Alamo Dome. The team totals here, Western Kentucky 37.5, UTSA 35.5. Is there an over or under on those team totals that that you would prefer? Oh, <laughs> not. I mean, I think the number's pretty close. I, I don't know. I don't have I'll one for you, the I'll team. I'll give you mine first. I think what's Western the one Kentucky, for the game? At, for the game at seventy three. I think Western yeah, Kentucky I, scores over thirty seven and a half. Okay, maybe. I don't know. I think that's a lot of points. It, it's UTSA is still a good football team. This was uh this was a fifty-two to forty-six game at Western Kentucky earlier in the season, but Western Kentucky is undefeated since then. They have won uh da da they've won seven straight games since they lost to UTSA. They have been absolutely rolling teams, and UTSA just feels like they have fallen off of a bridge. Uh, but at the same time, I mean, it's easy to get hyped up for a conference championship game. UTSA had this thing wrapped up weeks ago, right? Their their slot in this uh, title game, but that's uh, that's mine. Western Kentucky over thirty seven and a half. Uh, did you have an, a, one that you're going to put on there? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I I would go I would go over for the game. Ah, uh, okay, over seventy three. Okay, that sounds like a plan to me. All right, we will move to the Pac twelve and. We've got Oregon and Utah playing in Vegas. Now, this is going to be a lot of fun. I do think uh, this was a whipping the last time that they played. 38-7, to Utah won in Salt Lake City just two weeks ago. And now, even though Utah beat them by 31 points, uh, they are now only favored by two and a half. Uh, the team totals here. Utah is 31. Oregon is 28 and a half. And... Brother, I'll, I'll go on and give you my official play on this. Uh, not official play. Obviously, my official plays are over on the BetUS show. Uh, but for me, I'm going to take Oregon under 28 and a half. They got physically manhandled by Utah the last time that they played. And even though there is something to playing in Salt Lake City, I just I cannot see Oregon finding a way to score more than four touchdowns in a game like this unless they were to get turnovers. And Utah has not turned the football over in like six weeks. So I just I don't they, see they, how they're they getting get... a bunch they're getting a bunch of guys back though, right? 
Oregon is? Uh, they, they're getting some guys back, but I don't think, like, they're not going to get C.J. Verdell back. Like, I, they're not going to be able yeah. to run the ball that easily against Utah's defensive line. Like, Utah's defensive line is awesome. So, I, that's right. That's, uh, what I, is, I, would go, I would go under on both of them. I'd go under on both of them, huh? Yeah. Okay. I okay. would 100% go under on both of them. So, so, would that mean going under the total of 58? Oh, obviously on the game, yeah. All right, well, let me go on and put that one down then, <laughs> as opposed to – as opposed to writing both of them down. Um, that'll move us over to the MAC title game, and this will be the first Saturday game that we discuss. This one's going to be interesting to me. Um, Kent State against Northern Illinois. Now, obviously, anybody that follows me on Twitter knows that I had to deal with the wrath of the horde of Northern Illinois Husky fans just a couple of weeks ago when they wrapped up their, their spot in this title game. Uh, this one's in Detroit. Kent State won the first matchup just a few weeks ago, 52-47. to 47. Uh, If you look at all of the defensive numbers, et cetera, I do not find a way that Northern Illinois keeps Kent State under 38.5 points. Sean Lewis, the offensive – well, the head coach, uh, but former Dino Babers offensive coordinator, I think that he is going to score – relentlessly in this game because I think there there are still more dominoes to fall uh, in the coaching ranks and I think that Sean Lewis is one of those guys that is next up for one of these bigger jobs I think that he's going to put up a ton of points he's going to make people notice uh, so for me it's Kent State over 38 and a half I just don't think that Northern Illinois defense will be able to slow them down uh, I kind of like that also uh, you know I, I think this is going to be higher scoring from both of them so this is one where I would take the total on the game over, but but if I had to pick one of these two to go over or under, I would I would definitely go over with Penn State. That that makes sense. That makes. I just don't sense. see a lot of defense being played in this game. No, it's the MAC. I mean, there's a reason why the total is 74 and a half, and I think that thing could hit you know 77 by the time we get there on Saturday morning. I was yeah, I was just I was just about to say I I don't see it sitting there for the rest of the week. Nah, me either. Uh, Big 12 title game in Arlington, Oklahoma State and Baylor. Uh, 46 and a half is the total on this one. Oklahoma State won this 24 to 14 in Stillwater earlier this year, and they completely, completely shut down Baylor's offense in the first half. Now, that was with uh, Jerry Bohannon. All right, so the, the team totals here, we have got Baylor at 20 and a half, and we've got Oklahoma State at 27. And I'll go ahead and tell you, I look at this, and I think Baylor under 20-and-a-half is where I'm going. I trust that Jim Knowles defense. It doesn't matter to me which quarterback it is, but Jerry Bohannon may play, but he's dealing with the hamstring. And you understand how those things can can last forever. Uh, even if he plays, he's not going to be 100%, especially for a guy that runs the football. Uh, that can really, really hurt an offense. I The backup for them played fine, but obviously you saw – against Texas Tech that they were not the same football team. I I really like Oklahoma State here, but uh but for me it's Baylor under twenty and a half because I think that defense is just relentless. Well I would take uh Oklahoma State team total under. Uh, you give Dave Aranda <laughs> a second chance at an offense and I guarantee you they score at least a touchdown less than they did last time. Well they scored twenty four last time. Their team total this time is twenty seven. So you're uh you're rolling Oklahoma State under twenty seven. Yes, sir. I can uh, I can totally see that. This seems like it's going to be a really low-scoring game. Yeah, I think this is going to look like an old-school SEC game. Yeah, you got that right. You have got that right. All right, that uh, that takes us over 
to the Mountain West Conference title game. And we got Utah State and San Diego State. Uh, the total on this one is 50. San Diego State team total is 28. Utah State's team total is 23. Uh, this what The two stories here between Blake Anderson and Brady Hoke have been fantastic. Like this is I'm about to say pretty good. Pretty oh, good, right? It's so awesome. Like I love seeing these two guys be successful in new places, right? And and Brady Hoke was at San Diego State before, went over to Michigan, like all this kind of mess, and then now he's back and he looks younger, he looks rejuvenated. Uh what Kirk Maddox is doing on defense is awesome. But the way that I'm going to go on this is actually San Diego State under 28 total points for the game. And it's not because I think that Utah State is necessarily going to win or anything like that. I San Diego State scored 28 points on on UNLV. And Utah State has actually got a pretty feisty defense. I, I think that Utah State can keep the ball away from them quite a bit. They I know they like to pass the ball a lot, but they run a ton of plays. Just a ton of them. I, I don't like San Diego State's offense, even when they switched to uh, the new quarterback. Uh, whose name evades me right now, but I, I think I think under twenty eight for San Diego State is the way that I'm going to go on this. What was Utah State's total? Twenty three. Excuse me, I wasn't trying to pause for dramatic effect. Yeah, you good? I, was <laughs> uh, I think I think I'd go under that. Under the twenty three. This defense, I love Blake Anderson. I love the offense, and I love what he's been doing. This defense, is something different. Some hey, different. Not, not a lot of people just going and scoring in the mid twenties. Well, that's um, it makes sense. Kurt Maddox, like what he's doing on defense, is awesome. I mean, it's it's the same same stuff that uh, Rocky Long and and Zach Barnett and all those guys, uh, or Zach Arnett, excuse me, uh, were running there. And yeah, I mean, their defense is awesome. So under twenty three makes uh makes perfect sense to me for Utah State. Uh, the next one on the board. Our sixth one here is the Sun Belt Championship game, and that would be between App State and uh, Louisiana. Excuse me. Uh, Billy Napier's last game with the Rage and Cajuns. And the total on this is 53. Is Billy coaching? Yes, he is. I thought I saw that. That shocks me. Yes, he is, uh, he is coaching this one. He won't coach the bowl game, I believe, but he is coaching in the conference championship game. There, Florida is actually not officially introducing him in a press conference until Sunday, so after after this ball game is done. Um, Louisiana won this one 41-13 earlier in the year. Uh, when I look at this, the, the team totals are Louisiana 25.5 and App State 27.5. Of course, App State is favored by three on the road here, I think Louisiana is going to be able to score. Like they they play to their level of competition, and they have done it all season long. Really, all of Napier's tenure, he has played to the level of competition, uh, and that just has to do with the amount of talent that's actually on your team, right? Like they they don't have enough to out talent a ton of people, but they are incredibly well coached, and when they feel threatened, they show up big. I think the over twenty five and a half for Louisiana is the play for me. Uh, I'm not going to say that App State can't score 27.5. Surely they can. I mean, but they only put up 13 on them back on October 12th. So I'm, I'm going to take Louisiana to, to score over the 25.5. So I was, um, we're, we're, we think it's going to be a high scoring game then because I like App State over the 27. 
I think this is going to be a different team. I think it's really, really, really hard to coach and motivate and prepare a team that you're leaving. So I mean, it, it does make sense. I just I feel like the the mood around the program is not one of oh he's a traitor he left us right like that's that's kind well, of well obviously not is, because if it yeah. was then he wouldn't be coaching. Yeah, no, they're all incredible. Like the AD and the president have been, you know, sending out Go Gator stuff. They're very excited for him to get the opportunity. Uh, all the videos of the players, you know, congratulating Coach Napier and all that. They they seem very excited about it. I I do wonder about the motivation for this game, but I mean, this is a conference title game at home. Uh, so There's I, I also feel good two about teams it. that have been playing a lot lately that that in conference that don't like each other. Yeah, no, you're not wrong about that because they both been the top of the heap. Them in Coastal Carolina, it's basically the the, the list of, of the great teams in this conference. Yeah, you are correct. You are correct. Uh, App State lost at home to Louisiana on a weeknight game last year. Uh, lost by three. It was like twenty four to twenty one. Um, this year, of course, it was forty one to thirteen. But App State was favored at Louisiana again, another midweek game, and App just got destroyed. Just destroyed on the road. So. Uh, going to be interesting to see exactly how that one plays out there because I think App is kind of tired of losing to this team. Uh, but we shall see. Yeah. We shall see. That takes us over to the SEC championship game. So we got Georgia and Alabama. Uh, we can talk all day about different storylines, etc. But what we're talking about here is these team totals. Uh, the total on the game is 49.5. It is Georgia 28 for their team total, Alabama 21 and a half. And I, I'll go ahead and tell you up front, my play on this is Alabama under 21 and a half. I think it actually opened at like Alabama 24 for their team total, and it's been bit, uh, been bet down quite a bit. I still think under 21 and a half is the way to go. Uh, this is an Alabama team that scored 10 points and, well, scored three points for 59 and a half minutes against Auburn. They scored uh, 20 points total against LSU. They, this is not a great Alabama offense. And when you get them off course, the way that Georgia's defensive line and linebackers can, uh, they're going to bring blitzes from everywhere. I don't think Bryce Young's going to have time to throw. I don't expect them to have success going up and down the field. I, I think the under 21.5 is the play for me. Uh, 100%. That is the play. So the 28 for Georgia, I'm not touching because I could see them landing directly on that. Um, but I just don't think Alabama's going to score much this weekend. Georgia still looks at themselves as the underdog against Alabama until they beat them. Doesn't matter what the numbers say. Like, <laughs> they still think that they are the underdogs here. Uh, so we're both riding Alabama under 21 and a half. Now we move over to the Power Six championship game that would be the AAC. And we have got... Houston going to Nippert Stadium at night against Cincinnati. Team totals here. Cincy 32 and Houston 21. I, you know what, before I give mine out, Chris, what what is your feeling on the way that this game might go? I think this is going to be a good game. I think it's going to be a fun game. I, I think Cincinnati scores with them. I think Houston finds a way to put points up. Um, so I, I, I like the over in the game. Um, what's Cincinnati's team total? Cincinnati's is 32. I think I'd go over Houston. 
All right, so Houston 21. So you would go Houston over 21. Yeah. All right, so I'm going to go Cincinnati under 32 uh, because this Houston defense is absolutely legit. I don't think that Cincy has really played anybody that is going to have the guys on the line of scrimmage. And I understand that they played Notre Dame uh, back weeks and weeks ago, uh, but that Notre Dame defense was not what that Notre Dame defense has morphed into towards the end of this season. Uh, I just I think Houston is going to be able to disrupt what Desmond Ritter likes to do, and we have seen when he is uncomfortable, he is not as successful. Uh, so I'm going to go with the under 32 here. I don't know that since he loses the game, but I think that Houston can keep this thing pretty close, and I I will take yeah, me too. Yeah, I will take the uh, the under thirty two because I could I could absolutely see like a twenty eight twenty four kind of game. Remember, we saw this last year with Cincinnati; they beat Tulsa twenty seven to twenty four in the uh, in the AAC conference title game, and I mean it, Tulsa just just absolutely whipped them on the line of scrimmage, uh, or at least whipped them is an exaggeration here. Uh, they stayed with them; they made them incredibly uncomfortable, and they put them in bad situations over and over and over again. Now, since he won the ball game late. But that's kind of how I see this one, right? I think that Houston's defense and their defensive line are going to give pressure to Ritter, and uh, and I don't think they're going to get to that thirty uh, that thirty two there. So we we see this a little bit differently, but I I do like your uh, your Houston over twenty one there. That's uh that's not a bad yep. play. Um, we will move to the Big Ten. We got two left here. So our Big Ten preview on this Iowa and Michigan. I. I see uh, the team totals here, 16.5 for Iowa, 27 for Michigan. And this is one that I really have no idea on, right? (laughs) I got no idea which way to go with this. Um, The last time these two teams met was 2019. Michigan won the game 10-3. Michigan, I've heard multiple people say this, and I think they're dead on with it. Iowa is uh, the generic brand Michigan. Like, Michigan does everything that Iowa does only better. And in that situation, Iowa kind of relies on teams to turn the football over. And I don't think Michigan does that. They, they have not been turning the football over a whole lot as of late. Uh, they seem to be really confident in the way that they're going about games. Um, you look at, at Iowa's turnover margin, you take out their games against Indiana, Iowa State, etc., and their turnover margin is not great. I think it's like plus three on the season. Like they, against the really, really bad teams, they feasted on turnovers. Oh, it was Maryland was the other one. Uh, they feasted on the turnovers in those games. Against everybody else, like Iowa turns the football over a lot too. I don't think there's any real gain for them. I think Michigan is going to shut them down defensively. Uh, so give me Iowa under 16 and a half here. I don't know what the limit is for Michigan to be able to score, but I, I don't think that Iowa scores a lot of points here. We're, we're the same on this one also. I, I, this is the way you got to go. You can't trust that Iowa offense for anything. No, but and I also don't trust uh, Michigan. Um, or I don't trust Iowa to be able to generate turnovers from Michigan. How's that? I, I don't think they're yeah. going to get cheap points here. I agree. All right, so the last one that we have, we have got the ACC title game, and that will be Pitt and Wake Forest in Charlotte, North Carolina. This is going to be an ABC game, by the way. Um, hey, Felica's not going to be at this one. They're going to hang out at the SEC championship game, I heard. So, team totals on this. Obviously, these are two high-flying offenses, etc. Wake Forest team total is 35. 
Pitt team total is 37. The total for the game is 71 and a half. And I think the only way that you can go on this is Pitt's team total over 37. Because I think that there is a world, uh, to use some of your uh, phrasing, there's a world in which Wake Forest can get shut down a little bit on offense by that Pitt defense. Pitt is number four in defensive adjusted sack rate, and Wake Forest is number 104 in giving up that sack rate. So it's there is a strong chance that Wake Forest may not get to that 35, and I don't see any way that this Wake Forest defense uh, – finds a way to slow down Pitt at all. I think Mark Whipple in that offense with Kenny Pickett is going to roll. So give me the over 37 for Pitt. Yeah, we we disagree with that. Now, I, I think it's going to be a hellaciously high-scoring game. I think they bust the 71, whatever it is, by by a lot. <laughs> um, there's there's just no chance Pitt's going to shut this off. There's zero chance. Okay, okay. So you're you're gonna do the uh, the full game over seventy one and a half, huh? Oh yeah, that's I think that's a lock, a complete lock of the whole weekend. Uh, yeah, you might be right about that. You might look. I said this right. several weeks ago. Outside of you know a couple of teams, Wake scoring fifty. If you want to beat them, you got to get to fifty. Okay, a few teams got them to the forties and made it look ugly. But nobody's held this team in the third. Yeah, no, you're you're right. You are right. Uh, the only one that was able to do it was Clemson, and I don't think Pitt's defense is that good. Um, no, not even close. Not yeah. even a little bit. <laughs> I love it. All right, a little bit shorter show than usual, but uh, but Chris, is there anything else that we need to hit on? Nah, man. I mean, I think that's it. You know, hey, hey, hang on, hang on. I want to I want to talk about coaches leaving and all this stuff, right? Okay, yeah. Let's let's do it. So, like, there's a ton of stuff now. Now, I'm a little bit. You can say that I'm biased or I'm sensitive because he left for my school, okay? But but I liked Brian Kelly, and I probably would defend Brian Kelly leaving no matter where he left as long as he didn't go to someplace shitty like Alabama. Um, <laughs> I I don't understand. Like, all these people are super critical of how he – I want to ask all of those people, how do you think these guys should leave? What do you think they should do? Like – there's no good way to leave a program or to leave a school or leave a place you've been at for 12 years and you've done really, really well. Not just really well, better than anyone else in the history of that school if we're looking at it honestly. Because some of those national championships they have was back in the day when they were the only team on TV. This is true. I, so, I will tell you this. The, the only way real, to okay, fix it. But, but hang on. But, hang on. But, but if you leave a small school, if you leave a little school to go to a big school, then then we praise that coach. And we don't say anything. So it's okay to shit on the little kids, but it's not okay to shit on Notre Dame kids? I, I mean, from the media backlash, that's what it would seem, right? But I don't, I don't understand the consistency of that. Mike Norvell leads Memphis for Florida State, and he's, and he's praised and he's heralded. Yeah, Brian Kelly leaves for Notre Dame. Everybody who covers college football, that's not a Notre Dame fan or grad. Universally agrees the LSU job is a better job. Yes. But all of them seem to think it was a huge mistake to leave. You can't, I can't believe you left your school. can't believe you quit on these players. That's the word we're using. Quit on these players. What are we talking about? 
Well, so I think Billy that, so, quit on his guys? So, so hold on, hold on. I think the issue here is that Notre Dame at least has a, a, a slim sliver of a chance of getting into the college football playoff, right? And that's what you do this for is to win national titles. I think the the quitting on his players thing for Brian Kelly is basically him admitting, even if we get in this thing, the the roster that I got can't compete with these other two rosters or these other four or five, whatever it is. Um, I, I no, I, I I don't see. I disagree with that. I kind of disagree it's too. But other, yeah, it's the other one roster. The other one roster. Everybody else, he knows they can compete with. He knows they can compete with Cincinnati. I, there's no question in my eyes, in my mind, that he knows he can compete with Michigan and whoever the hell else gets in at third. He also knows, without a shadow of a doubt, with this roster, with this team, if he coaches the most perfect game, they have no shot against Georgia. Yeah, that yeah. he's leaving to go try to compete against Georgia. Yes, a hundred percent. That's that's the only thing. And I'll tell you how we fix it is we move the early signing day to August. Like that's that's the way that you fix this, right? Why because, do we need an early signing day? Why do we need two? Uh, I don't have. A, I, I will tell because you why. People who actually make a living doing this stuff run the sport, and they need like more content. That's why. Well, I'll, I'll tell the you answer, this. By the way, uh, we had talked about it. it's. It's more for the kids. The kids are the ones that really wanted it, right? They're they're the ones that push for it in the compliance offices and all that kind of mess to go on and get them to sign so that they don't have like the extra time of having to fend off people that are that are caught. We've talked about this before, um, but if you do it in August, I, see, I think that's a. Bu- we talked about that, and I'm going to say the same thing. That's a bullshit argument. That's a that's a complete nutter horseshit argument, Gary. I, I don't think that we need a second one, honestly. Like, just let this thing be done in February. That way everybody can get through bowl games or whatever else they need to. You can make to, uh, coaching hires, you know, afterwards. You don't have to get them on the recruiting trail right now. Brian Kelly could have stayed with his team until they get left out of the playoff on Sunday, whenever that is. Um, you know, there's a lot of stuff. That, he he could have coached in the playoffs. He could have like, coached, he yeah. like, try, He could have tried – to, to to win a title and see what he can do there. And the national championship game is on January 10th, and national signing day would have been on February 1st, 2nd, or 3rd, whatever it is every year. Um, like, it, you'd still have a month. Like, <laughs> what are we talking I, I about? I just don't – I don't understand the, the – I hate the lack of consistency in people, right? Like, that's yeah. what I really hate. Like, if one guy does something, we, we you know, we get all up in arms, we call him a quitter, or we call him a cheater. Or we call him a you know a piece of this or a piece of that. But but if another guy does it, we're like, oh man, look at him, like making his way in this world and rising up through the ranks, and you know trying to go win a national championship or do something special or whatever. Like, wait a minute, don't act like you think you feel bad for the Notre Dame kids, but you don't feel bad for the uh, for the Louisiana kids. No, this right? this all has to do with whether or not they like the guy that they're talking about. But that's bullshit. You, you can't change the way you, you cover something. You can't change the way you feel about something based on if you like someone or not. That's the whole problem we have in the country right now. Like, yes. If you if you are, are right-wing, then you cover the world in a certain way. And if you're left-wing, you cover the world in a certain way. No. Just cover it and be consistent. And if something is wrong, it doesn't matter who did it. It's always wrong. And if something is right, it doesn't matter who did it. It's always right. 
bad people can be right sometimes and assholes can do good sometimes. Like, just be straight across the board and be honest about what you're doing. I hate this shit. I hate it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, but you know it was coming, right? Just but just because of the timing. Um, I don't know. It just, it's, it's very irritating and I understand where you're coming from on it. Um, at the end of the day, like all the stuff that's coming out, all that, it, it, this is a fast moving news cycle. <laughs> this will all be old news by next week and we won't have to even worry about it. Uh, but it is frustrating in the moment for sure. Uh, but I, I would like for them to be consistent. Most certainly. I, these are people that I respect. These are people that I follow and I read and I respect them. And, and, and it just, it makes me realize, man, maybe you're not as smart as you come across. Maybe you're not as, you know, deserving of, of my respect as, as I originally thought. Like, you know, I just yeah. think it's a really shitty thing to be inconsistent. The only thing I want in this world is consistency from people. Uh, we, we don't have a whole lot of it right now. I will tell you that. People let their biases show frequently, and, uh, and that's the way it goes. That is the way I'm it goes. I'm okay with you having a bias, but you got to be honest about it. Yeah, I don't know that a lot of uh, a lot of these media uh, members that cover this sport nationally will will openly admit their biases, right? So I think that's the difference between like what they do and what you and I do here. Like we just put it all out on the table. Like if we've got a bias, we will let people know, um, and we'll try and be unbiased for the most part. Like at, at least I do. Um, but I, you know, I, I, nothing about this surprises me because I don't think there's a lot of people that really like Brian Kelly. Like, I no, think he's a great but, football coach. But. All right, hang on, hang on. Go, let's get to that part. He, all all I've seen is, is old coordinators come out talking about how big of an asshole he is and how he's not a player's coach. And he's a he's a tough – it's straight business. And he's not personable at all. And nobody likes him. And nobody – whatever. How is that any different than Nick Saban? Uh, you went off, you know, four or five national titles, and it's okay that you're a prick? It's okay that nobody wants to work for you? But, uh, yeah. but this guy makes it to a couple of national championship plays, rounds, but, but doesn't win any. And so he he's wrong for being a prick. He's wrong for being business only. Like, well, I mean, don't this forget. This is the inconsistency. They, they didn't like him when he was at Alabama. Uh, when, he, when he first went to Alabama, I mean, it became a huge, huge thing. And there's still a ton of people that don't like him. Um, but it, it'll be the same thing. Brian Kelly gets him a ring at LSU. And all of a sudden, he'll be the talk of the town, and, and everything will be forgiven, and he'll be smiling on all these different ads and all that kind of stuff. Like it's that's the I, way that the game is played, and it's wrong. I just, I just, but, I just don't. I yeah, that it's just something that I I can't abide by. It's not. It it bothers me. It, it bothers me badly, and it has nothing to do with it being my guy. It's 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 okay to leave this job for that job, but it's not okay to leave this job for a different job, and. And you know, one guy is 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 a hero, but the other guy is a, is a villain. You know, whatever. I just think all this is stupid. I just think it's all stupid. And it's, you're talking about forty, fifty, sixty year old men that write about this sport, and women that write about this sport. These are not children. These are not young guys saying crazy off the wall shit because they're emotional. These are these are people that have been doing it for decades. Yes. Like yes. they should know. I have this expectation that you should know better. You should be better than that, the, but uh, you're not because nobody is telling you to be. The nobody. standards in journalism have dropped uh, precipitously over the years, uh, and it's it's a shame to see it. 
But, um, you know, I mean, <laughs> I don't know how to change it at this point. Uh, it's sad, but it's the way that it will continue to be for quite some time. That's the only thing I want to say. I like that it. pissed me off. Like, you know, just reading all this stuff and listening to all these guys, you know, what, you know, talking about the coaching moves and some are great and this, that, and another, and other guys are assholes and quitters on the team. And, and I'm just like, hang on, how did, how did they both do the exact same thing? But, but one is a quitter and the other guy is a hero. Like, that didn't make any damn No, it thing. didn't make any sense. No, no, I'm with you. I totally understand where you're coming from. It's, uh, it's strange that there has been more vitriol towards Brian Kelly than uh, Lincoln Riley leaving Oklahoma, you know, the day after Bedlam. Uh, it's it's a little weird. It's certainly weird. But I don't see it changing anytime soon, brother. <laughs> I mean, it's well, going to be this way every year. Every I don't year. care that nobody likes my coach. I like my coach. They can all kiss my ass. <laughs> I think that's a good spot for us to wrap this thing up. All right, man, let me go on and let you off the call, and, uh, and I'll wrap up the show. <laughs> see you, buddy. All right, be good. All right, of course, that was Chris. You can follow him on Twitter at ChrisBGiannini. I, of course, am Gary. You can follow me at GaryWCE. Uh, give you the rundown one more time. We certainly appreciate all you guys for tuning in and watching the show, listening to it, however you consume the product. We appreciate you for being here. Uh, you have gotten us to our 5,000 goal. So 5,000 subscribers on YouTube. Uh, obviously, the podcast doing incredibly well also. Go and check out the BetUS College Football Show. Check out the Bookmaker Review College Football Show. Chris hosts that one. I host the BetUS one. The links for both of those are in the description. Uh, go check out BetUS. It's America's premier online sports book. You can find it at BetUS.com. Get signed up over there for sure. Uh, and on top of that, make sure and subscribe to the podcast. If you have not done so already, leave a nice five-star review over on Apple Podcast and jump into the comments here. Let us know what your picks are for these games, the team totals, the the spread, whatever it is. We want to know what you think about the games. So leave your comments down below. Uh, go to winningcureseverything.com. Everything you need to know about us, you can find right over there. We hope that you all have successful gambling weekends. We hope that the games are fantastic. We will be back right here on Sunday morning. Pay attention to Twitter. I'll let you know exactly what time. I think we're going to push it back a little bit. We'll talk about the games that happened on Saturday and on Friday. Excuse me, on Friday. Um, we'll talk about those, and then we are going to try and still be live as the Final Four, the college football playoff field, is announced. So pay attention on Twitter, at GaryWCE. And until then, I hope all of you guys uh, take care of yourselves, take care of each other, and all of your tickets cash this weekend. Thanks for checking out Winning Cures Everything. If you want to keep up with us, hit subscribe on YouTube or your favorite podcast app. Visit the website at winningcureseverything.com or you can like us on Facebook or follow us at Winning Cures, at GaryWCE, or at Chris B. Giannini on Twitter. Share out the show, leave a nice review, and make sure to comment and tweet at us. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.